0: you've then got to marry that imagination with reality and you want to make sure you're not disappointed by reality. Mm. Because otherwise you're just going to end up going after perfect people and you might meet people who will try and fit into that narrative and actually it will damage their self-esteem and, you know, people will just endlessly disappoint you. How
1: do you marry that up? the, The gap between imagination, perfection and what really life is in terms of romantic relationships, friendships, what does one do for for that gap?
0: It's hard, one, isn't it? Because life is endlessly disappointing, and yeah. people will disappoint you, yeah. and you know you'll disappoint yourself at times. I think it's not being beholden to your imagination and appreciating reality for what it is. Mm. And actually, you have so much to gain from the, the small things and yeah. the lovely things. You know, when your friends show up for you, or when they send you a birthday card, or when you just have a really good conversation with them. You know, that's actually far more tangible than mm. your imagination.
1: Welcome to the Mentality Podcast. We're recording at the incredible Wheatwood Hall Hotel Podcast Studio. This is a podcast that goes way beyond stigma. We talk about men's mental health and mindset. We encourage the type of conversation that will open you up to another way to live life, another way to see yourself and the world around you. If you are ready for that, you're in the right place. I'm Stevie Ward and I'm an ex- professional rugby league player and captain and now i guess i'm a bit of a podcaster speaker actor writer entrepreneur i'm still working all that out but our mentality we help men take control of their mindset by teaching them to find purpose resilience and what i believe is the new success inner peace Ooh, that sounds good if you are that guy who is waking up to the fact that they need to do something different in life and the same old habits aren't working for you, might be time to step up. If you want to start your journey with us, you can go to mentality.co.uk forward slash coaching to join the best team you have ever seen. Well, in this podcast, we have got Mentality Friend, Mentality Best Friend, maybe. We've got Doctor, she's a blogger for mentalscale.com and a regular contributor for Mentality Magazine. We've got Imogen Bicknell on the podcast and we are going to look at the world through the lens of relationships. Imogen went to relational therapy that she had three years ago and it taught her how integral our relationships are to our well-being. The quality of our relationships can develop our resilience, sense of self and our mental health. Relationships extend to beyond our interactions with other people. They also include the relationship that we have with our work, our interests and with ourselves. There's a lot of relationships there. Can you tell <laughs> I didn't write that one? That's a,
2: good intro, <laughs> isn't it? That's
1: a really good intro. Um, provided by Imogen, who we I think we're going to look at the world, as I say, through that lens of relationships and understand, hopefully, how to put a bit more thought and a bit more conscious awareness into our relationships in the world and make it better for us and everyone else. That's what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah. I'm excited, I'm excited. Imogen's been such a supporter, uh, an integral part of Mentality for such a long time. She came across Mentality from the times Article that I did back in 2016, Um, and it's been a rocky ride since, hasn't it? A good ride, but a rocky ride. I think you've done brilliantly. It's
0: been a great ride. I've loved being part of it and seeing it grow. It's Um, been
1: it's been fun. It's been really fun and mental. Um, But Imogen's been there and she's been contributing, and we have been seeing each other a lot more. And this is just such a great um, thing to get onto. So Imogen. Let me ask you about this, what sparked the interest in relationships, what relational therapy is, and what triggered you to, to go and do it?
0: Well, yeah, so I went, I was searching for something a bit more explorative with therapy, I'd had CBT in the past, was having very, various issues at the time with medical school and kind of a lot of kind of family issues as well, and was just looking for that, something a bit extra. Um, And I still don't know huge amounts about the different sorts of therapies. There's lots of different modalities. But I don't think you can necessarily be too prescriptive. What was really wonderful is that I found an amazing person, an amazing therapist, um, and her her style was based on relational therapy. But it was, you know, very much the relationship we had with each other that kind of brought about a lot of healing as well. Mm. Um, But she taught me that kind of relationships a very expansive it's a very expansive term and it can cover a lot of different parts of your life it, you know people family friends romantic relationships um and also yeah our work and the things that are important to us the relationship we have with ourselves and um it for me it was just a really good way to kind of readdress my values and to kind of put front and center what was important in my life and how i actually could be an active participant in defining my relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt that all these struggles I was having with my family and with medicine, I felt very out of control at the time. Um, and actually it was about looking at the part I had to play in those relationships and kind of redefining them and reframing them.
1: And so mm-hmm. to, to spark our interest to get relational therapy was more relationship with family and the relationship with work, mm-hmm. was the romantic relationship in motivation in that or was it just?
0: So, I mean my, so I've been with Ben, who's my partner for nearly seven years now and he's wonderful. He's been a fantastic support throughout kind of with that family stuff, with that kind of work mm. stuff. Um, and I think he was in a position where he felt quite helpless cause you know, he was so supportive, but at the end of the day, it was me that had to do the work. It was mm. me that had to kind of get myself through stuff. And, um. So it wasn't really to do with us that I went to therapy, but I definitely found that by going to therapy, it gave our relationship a lot more lightness and a lot more space. Yeah. I was calmer. You know, I didn't have to talk about those things, you know, 10 dozen times mm-hmm. and going over and over the same struggles. Mm-hmm. And it just took a bit of weight off him and a bit of weight off our relationship.
1: Yeah. And this is something that you went to on your own? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, just, I'm sort of just trying to understand it, process it because I think a lot of people that switched on to listen to this, they might think relationships immediately, that you hear that R word and you think it's romantic ones, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're talking about relationships across, across life and um, one relationship that you've had for quite a long time now, um, we're going to talk about a working relationship, your working relationship with medicine, being a doctor. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that, how it's evolved and maybe wow. your foresight into what it would be
0: yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting journey, and I'm at a place now where I've I've graduated from med school, I've done my two years foundation training, and I'm currently, I've got the option now to just take a bit of time and reassess, I've redefined my working hours, I'm at a place that feels a lot healthier with it, mm. um, but it was a, it's been a struggle, um, I mean, your sister's a doctor, so mm. you may have some insight into yep. the ups and downs of it, um, but... it's a hard one because it's an incredibly privileged position to be to be Mm. a doctor you know there's a lot of people who wish they could do it or you know loads who apply to medical school and don't get in and so just by being a doctor you are incredibly privileged Mm -hmm. and you know I do feel very grateful to my career for the things it's given me um but at the same time you're very young when you make the decision to come into medicine I was anyway um I think I was about fifteen when mm. you start to think, right, I need to make a decision of what I'm so gonna do with my life. Yeah. So young. Yeah, I felt this pressure to um decide where I was going and you know, felt this pressure that I couldn't mess it up and I had to go for something really solid and be really definite in what I wanted to do. Mm. Um and it's my parents are both doctors and that's no coincidence. Um and you know, and it's you know that's actually a positive thing in itself because they were them I always saw them as their best selves at work. They're wonderful doctors you know was doing the reception work and stuff mm. from quite a young age in their GP practices um, and they're very different styles but I can see how much work enriched their life yeah. so I kind of modeled my choice on their choice. There wasn't direct pressure from them, but I did feel this expectation. Mm-hmm especially being the eldest sister of you know being the responsible one wanting to make them proud um and i think they were quite relieved that i'd chosen something yeah and it felt safe yeah um so
1: like a set path yeah yeah yeah
0: Yeah. and i was at a place personally where i was actually really struggling with my own mental health and my own kind of self-worth as well so to pick something safe that was a path felt just reassuring
2: Mm,
1: yeah yeah so then obviously i really i feel so lucky in in the sense that i had that set path as well you know growing Mm. up and um i just knew i sort of just knew that that was what i was going to do and what i wanted to do and i put up my whole thing I'd, i'd set myself to that path sort of unconditionally um And then I guess that's one foundation, but then it's the to and fro ins, the ups and downs, the little bits of friction that that relationship takes up. Um, And you mentioned that, you know, the the sort of mindset for being a doctor, and I know my sister would relate to this, is the, the positive mission to to help and support and help heal people basically. But it became all consuming for you. Mm. Um when did that start as a doctor, when did that start developing as an all, all consuming sort of profession?
0: Day one. Day From one. first year of medical school. That was my worst year of medical school by yeah. far. Um uh I mean I, I Needed to leave home. I really needed that independence and that break from a lot of stuff that was going on. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I felt like I had to do it all and get it all right, get the friendship groups right, get the course right, still have fun as a student, etc. Yeah. And I just found it really overwhelming. And for someone who's always been actually quite self sufficient and looked after themselves, has always been quite good at, you know, the washing, cleaning, cooking side of things, mm. you know, to then do it all on your own for the first time and I felt very on my own with it and I'd always done well at school and then suddenly I was just felt like I was drowning with the amount of work Mm. there was just the breadth was enormous and I Mm. think I had underestimated just how much work there would be yeah um especially for someone who you know school felt like a very Study hard, you get your grades. With medicine, it was like study as hard as you can, and you might just pass. And mm. this all, this feeling of always being really close to failure,
1: close to the edge as well. With that, mm,
0: yeah. yeah. So I struggled to find my um, stride in medicine until I failed my fourth year. Mm. Really, um, that was a time that really forced me to reevaluate stuff. Yeah.
1: So. And what was in that re-evaluation then? What came out of that? Is that the same time as a relational therapy?
0: No, so I think it had a knock-on effect. So having to do the fourth year twice, which was probably the most difficult year at med school in terms of the amount of work you have to do and the step up, that's the year where you really learn how to be a doctor. Mm. Um, It. Yeah, I had to really drag myself through it again Um, and... You know, at the time I was like, God, I just wish I had the gumption to quit.
2: Mm.
0: And I, I, I couldn't because I just knew that if I did, there'd be a whole new set of problems of figuring out where I go and what I do with my life, et cetera. Yeah. And there was still something in it that I was like, I need to see this through. I need to see where this leads because, you know, I love connecting with people, helping people, talking to people. Mm. That for me has always been the driver. Um, I wasn't actually that into science and mm. I wasn't that into science at school. I was just good at it and could hit those yeah, grades. I was actually much more creative. Yeah. And again, I underestimate it. And this may sound really naive, but you are when you're 15, yeah, 18 yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of science in medicine. I so. wish I'd done
1: drama when I was younger. You, <laughs> but, I'd love
0: to see you on the big screen. Yeah, well,
1: I, I would as well. Maybe one day. <laughs> I've, I've done Neighbours. I keep, I keep throwing that in in every podcast. Yeah, there's still since. time. There's still time. <laughs> I don't know if they've got much spots for a Yorkshire, have a broad Yorkshire accent on neighbours to, to keep returning anyway. Um, but I completely understand what you're saying, completely relate as well. Um, my sister, I know, as you know, to devote yourself to a path and unconditionally, like unwaveringly just Go towards it and keep doing it is is so admirable. Um, But I want to say, uh, you almost need a bit of healthy delusion as well. I don't know.
0: Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Do you know, like you need to to keep yourself single-minded? Yeah, Mm. single bloody-mindedness, where you just keep pushing through. Because otherwise, the really hard you know, the the really gritty stuff will drag you
1: down. 100%, 100%. And you need to want it enough and and feel your why enough to do it. And I relate to to that. Maybe there's something in certain types of people which they have that all-consuming, unwavering um, energy towards something um, which my experience has has been very helpful and it's worked and it's got me through rugby games and I've made 20 more tackles than I should have done, then it's probably, I've probably burnt myself out a lot as well. So, but that sort of unwavering input from yourself, um, I think this could stretch across the whole sort of theme of relationships, whether that be relationship with work, romantic relationships um, and friends. But
0: there's a commitment there. There's
1: a commitment and yeah. that commitment's great, but then where does that stop? You know, where does, where does the boundaries come in? Mm. And where does the free-flowing, all-giving, sacrificial attempt at that, Whatever that relationship is, where does that stop, and yeah. where does the understanding and the boundaries and the lines which you won't cross anymore, where does that come in? Do you know? Well,
0: there's a lot to unpack there because yeah. you're right. You know, there was absolutely nothing that could have persuaded me otherwise. For me, medicine was everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to. That that was the, you know, the pinnacle, yeah. the top of the mountain. I had to get in there. I had to get to medical school and do it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't. Think about anything else, and then you get there. It is very all-consuming. It demands a lot of you, um, and I think there are many doctors who do struggle with the work-life balance, that mm. boundary, and where do you stop?
1: I love that. I'll, let me just pick up on that work-life balance. I love that. <laughs> why is work first? Why is work I before know, life?
0: I know, and why is work separate to life? Yeah, because work is a part of your life mm. and especially for those of us who are privileged to enjoy what we do in some sense and it not just be about money and keeping mm-hmm. a roof over your head mm-hmm. but you know it does take over you yeah. have to give a, well, huge amounts of your time and energy to work and it may not be something that serves you
1: yeah Yeah. it's like work life blend and you know that's me saying it um, from a position where I've, my work stopped uh, my life's continuing. I'm trying to find what part of that work blends in with my life right now and obviously you know I'm sort of pretty sure that it's with mentality and evolving and, um, creating this community and, and sort of going beyond stigma so we can really sort of do the work which is you know in theme of this conversation It's what drives me. Um, but yeah, that, I'm still, I feel like I'm still in a privileged position because I sort of know what that is, you know, and, and, and I've been lucky enough to earn money and and I'm at a place where I can self-actualise, where I know a lot of people are in a place where they can self-actualise and, you know, a lot of safety and, and basic necessities are sort of the all-consuming thing for people. Mm. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to have this conversation to say, right, well, you know, yeah. but what is it that, that Fills us up in terms of that work-life blend.
0: To have options, yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think that's why I kept going with medicine. Because there was just something in me that was like, keep going for a long enough, and it will open up your life and give you options of where to go next. Mm. Which is at the stage I'm at now, which is wonderful. And I much preferred working than I did medical school. Kind of thrived a lot more until mm. the coronavirus pandemic came. Mm. That threw up a whole new level of challenges. Yeah. But really enjoyed actually doing the job. Mm-hmm. and kind of that substance of what the job is but you're in an interesting place at the moment because you're having to redefine your working identity because mm-hmm. you know rugby and you were doing it for so long and so young it became mm-hmm. a huge part of you yeah. and now that's changed yeah it's
1: yeah it's you know for f- so long growing up it was it was it was that thing, you know that that spark or that sort of um, that lifestyle. It was just it was just me, you know. It was just mm-hmm. what I did in life, and then it picked up as I got older. It transformed into work, um, and you know that means a lot of things. When when you start working for it, that means a lot of responsibility. Um, it means you get paid to do what you've loved doing. And what you do anyway, which is incredible, and then it means a lot of pressure as well. it means um it means that you can't just chip it over the top every time you want to do it in rugby and um take take the wacky option option you need to fit into the team you need to fit into a system you need to adhere to the way that other people want you to play that game, you know.
0: You have to mould yourself, don't you? And I think that's something I really struggled with in medicine. I was like, am I moulding myself to something that isn't right for me and isn't the person I want to be?
1: 100%.
0: And, you know, I often think, you know, if I'd done art or English or something, what sort of person would I be if I'd done those things? Mm. And I think that's something I've had to let go of and not let it take over my life and rule my life. Because we'll come on to this later, but, you know, we're at risk of being very passive in our relationships when actually we can make active choices as to how we want to define them. Mm. And I think looking at the positive, wonderful things that medicine has given me, which stability, um, kind of insight into people's lives, purpose, you know, at times when I really needed it, I really needed some direction.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Like, you know, the good rugby players or the driven ones, the motivated ones are the ones that can bring their uniqueness, their natural ability to the environment that they're in and the team that they're in and show that and express that freely. Mm -hmm. And the ones that have thought about this is the part of my game on and off the field that I like doing, I'm going to do more of that. And this is the part that I want to help people with and that our team will be successful doing and aligning it with their values and aligning it with their natural free flowing ability. Mm. Um, that's such a big thing. It's such a big thing to sort of mould yourself to the team, but also to still put that natural uniqueness mm. into it. You know,
0: yeah, to maintain yourself and to see that as an asset and yeah. not have to dull that down and. I think that's something I still struggle with in medicine because it is so traditional. Mm. It's quite late to the party and kind of shaking things up and maybe, you know, accepting positive change. I find the NHS can be really limiting, especially mm. with staffing issues and, you know, they're kind of well known, but it means you can't practice in the way you want to. And we're not really working efficiently or making improvements. Mm. Mm. And I just, I just, you know, you want, I personally would like things to be a bit more open-minded. Mm. Um, and to see that people's personal touch is actually the thing that really brings healing. And yeah. um, we don't want people kind of just being triaged through phone calls, ticking off lists mm. and we, you know, it's about that human element.
1: A lot uh, of it's what you can measure in it. Yeah. A lot of it is what's black and white, measure and measurable, but the, and what we'll talk about with the superficial relationships, like sometimes the boost in the superficial random um, spontaneous spontaneous occurrences and connections they do so much for a person's well-being mm-hmm. and boost people so much yeah. and I, I i don't know I'm, I'm reading from what you're what you're saying what my sister's saying like this that sometimes you can get squeezed out of it because yeah. there's so much that you know, everyone's so busy, and everyone needs to see different people. It doesn't allow for that spontaneous, sort of like holistic, like almost magical sort of touch yeah. to it.
0: You know, yeah. And it's so sad to lose that because, really, why would I still do this job without mm. that? And I remember those patients mm. who really do move you and really teach you something. Yeah. And you know, and that's the the. The one benefit of being quite junior is that you are often the one closest to the bedside, mm. and you don't go through the same kind of protocols or managerial type roles that yeah. your consultant might do. And I remember in A and E just having the luxury of being that junior and still quite inexperienced that I could take my time with certain patients, mm. and that opened up a whole kind of plethora of conversation yeah. and connection. And
1: another world to just the task to do. Yeah, just the, the fulfilling the objectives and, and you sometimes need the time to be able to drop into that don't you
0: yeah yeah to make space for it and we're not making space for it at the moment especially you know I know with the pandemic things have been squeezed so much more but it was a problem that was happening way before the pandemic as mm.
1: well yeah um, I don't know if I want to go into it now but yeah I think I think what we're talking about in whatever profession you choose and if you are privileged enough to self-actualize and you can meet the basic essential safety, food, shelter needs um, then you sort of going back to that unique expression freely of yourself of your own personality, of your own abilities and talents, then it's like personal freedom and it's like being able to truly do what you are you know like to to offer that within whatever working space you're in um i think that's what really really is is there in people but it's whether they get the opportunity and chance to fully offer that
0: yeah it's being able to bring your best self to work
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. um because that's what that's what your energy and motivation you know i'm sure you're looking to being a doctor and i know you have because we spoke about it but you you've gone into being a doctor because you want to connect with people. Like mm. obviously you want to connect and meet these people that you can then contribute. So you want to connect, you want to contribute um, ah. and give and sort of know that you're coming back home at the end of the day and you're gone, do you know what? I've given the best, best sort of that I can. And someone's been affected by me contributing and that's meaning, you know, that's a lot of meaning. Yeah. And then, you talk about congruence, which is sort of like that personal freedom where you go, I'm doing exactly what I am, you know. The actions in the world are exactly what I am. And then that's when the energy and the motivation I think people look too short term for motivation, try and watch a video on YouTube or and it's like it's like short lasting and it burns out and it comes to a halt. But if you can think of those three Cs, you know, the the connecting and the, the contributing and the congruence of living in in your best version, you know, the actions that you do, they all feed each other, they all connect with each other, um, which is, I guess, what we're talking about for for work. And I think that will probably, you can sort of look at those for everything, every relationship, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, what's been really important for me at the moment is taking a step back, you know, working kinder hours and just having the energy and restoring my physical health. Um, to be able to look back on it and kind of feel the benefits and the positivity rather than just being exhausted and feeling drought, you know, mm. just burnt out at work. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of learned in medical school, you come in with these big idealistic expectations. I'm gonna be a top pediatric surgeon. And then you realize yeah. actually what suits my temperament, what suits my personality. Yeah. I actually want the rest of my life to fit in with work. Mm. I, I, Yeah, I can't have it all about work. That's just not who I am. Yeah. And yeah, it's been lovely taking a step back. And, you know, for me, reading's really important and listening to podcasts because that adds to kind of the meaning I do bring to work.
1: Yeah. And like what? So, like, what is, can you think of what's changed then, now in terms of looking at work f- from you? What, what stuff have you put in place compared to those moments where it was everything weighing you, weighing down, you, I guess?
0: Well, I had because I had no option other than to go through the really shit parts and just to keep my head down. And um, so, you know, to get through medical school, to get the degree in the first place, to then get fully registered and to then finish my foundation program. Because once you've done that, you can then um, you can then go straight into specialty training. Mm. And I think I'm leaning more towards psychiatry, but I've currently taken a temporary job in psychiatry. That's just daytime hours. No one calls just to see kind of how I fit in that specialty and, you know, just to get some routine back, you know, because I don't do well working night shifts, you know, as a real mess up. the (laughs) I don't think anyone, (laughs) you
1: can tell us what it does as a doctor. Oh God, (laughs) gets you very used to jet lag, but yeah. yeah, um,
0: I really felt the effects of... um, just on my physical health quite badly, and you know, then it affected my mental health, and just trying to keep going through that. Mm. So, it was about getting through to buy myself a bit of freedom later on. Mm. And now I'm just taking a bit of time and not rushing into anything. And I've already decided that when I go into specialty training, I'm not going to work full time, I'm going to work at 80%. Nice,
1: so. nice, I like it. Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? I'm sure there's a lot of people going, What do you mean we're working at 80%? You need to, but.
0: Well, full-time was 60, 70 hours a yeah, week sometimes. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: What's, what's the what's the reasonable full-time? 80% sounds <laughs> all right. Um
0: But I have that option, and that wasn't an option for doctors a few years ago. Mm, if you wanted to work less than full-time, you had to give a reason, such as childcare, or really? it wasn't just because you wanted to for the sake of your personal well-being.
1: Expectations.
0: Mm, and they're very high in medicine.
1: Yeah, they're very high, and that's a massive thing to manage when it comes to stress, hmm. managing expectations. Yeah, that's... And, and if they're being put on you, that's when... That's when the friction comes, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, r- romantic relationships. This is going to be an interesting one. <laughs> it's going to be an exciting <laughs> This topic. is going to be exciting. This is what where, the listeners
0: came for. <laughs> where are we going to go with <laughs> this?
1: Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much, I think, like looking at... At the notes and that that could, I think they are all they all can sort of shift along the spectrum for any type of relationship. You know, like in terms of meaning, in terms of, um, you know, purpose, and in terms of, of like putting boundaries in. I think I think they're all sort of relative to all the relationships. Um, so should we start with one of the big three questions? How do we find love?
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this, so, this on the three, the three big questions came about because of a book that I've read recently um, called Conversations on Love by Natasha Lunn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a wonderful book because she writes so beautifully, but it's come about from conversations she's had with various different people. Mm-hmm. And there's another writer who, also a doctor, called Paul Calanthe, who said that human knowledge cannot be contained inside one person. It's our relationship with others that go towards our understanding and still it's never complete. Mm. So what I love about this book is that it draws from wisdom from so many different people, including um, Paul Calanthe's wife, because Paul died of... Um, a brain tumour which is when his book became out so that oh, wow. just some yeah. extra info if you want yeah, some bedtime yeah. reading so he
1: needed the knowledge to to, to leave him after, <laughs> even after he died someone passed it on yeah his, his well she
0: comes into um, the final question which is how do we what how do we survive when we lose love but no, going back to the three big questions so how do we find love how do we sustain love and how do we survive when we lose it so they're mm. the questions that she covers in a book but going back to the first one of how do we find love what do you think
1: How do we find love? What do I think? That's a good question. (laughs) Um, Talking from my own experience, and what's worked for me, to actually find love, um, I think there's had to be, talking about expectations, I think there's had to be a managing of expectations. and openly talking about expectations. And that goes into what the relationship actually is. That goes into not having to define it straight away, which I think in, in my life, I've, I've always been sort of resistant to, to define anything. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to become each other's possession, mm,
2: interesting. A, like
1: attached. You know, I, and I think that that's that's a a big big sort of fear for me, and I didn't want to. I don't know. So where, to um, cut it short, to cut the exploring short and the learning, and understanding each other. You know, that, you know, we've not, like, in the early stages when we started talking, it wasn't about what was between us. It wasn't about just Stevie and Natalie. Like, it wasn't about what that looked like. It was about more of <laughs> what the world looked like between us. Like, and, and us sharing it and understanding it and working it out and not saying... This is a romantic relationship, so we must go into the traditional rule book and rules and guides for what that is. Mm-hmm. We just meet each other, understand each other, talk about understanding ourselves with each other, and what the world can be if that makes sense.
0: so where do you think the rule book comes from? Where's city you talked about? you didn't want it to become like possession or having these expectations. Where did they come from for you?
1: Um, I think in in my life, I've seen a lot of relationships that are unhappy, a lot of them. Mm. Um, And I could never kind of settle and say, I could never limit myself to thinking that's what that is. I have to go into that. Do you know? Like, yeah. and and I guess what I'm referring to is people feeling weighed down and like their time was dictated by someone else. Yeah. And it's it sounds quite. Mm. When I say that, like objectively, it sounds quite like. I don't know. It
0: sounds quite dogmatic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I saw, yeah, I've seen a lot of dogmatic relationships. I've seen the the man complain that he can't go out for a drink with his mates because he's been told that he's not allowed. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm I'm seeing that. I'm going, why the fuck would anyone want that?
0: No, it's interesting. That was Ben's perception of relationships Mm. when we first met. And he was very much, I don't want a girlfriend for that reason. And I was at a place where I don't really want a boyfriend. I've got my degree. I need to focus on that but I've always been somebody who really values, you know, deep connection and mm. love and intimacy. So I think, and that was what was so wonderful about our relationship is we were quite young, you know, it's been nearly seven years now, so early 20s, yeah. um, and we had very little expectation of each other. And because we were so young, it gave a huge amount of room for each of us to grow mm. and to grow individually. And because I'm quite such an independent person, I wanted to keep my independence and, you know, and it goes back to this. You're still working
1: stuff out, aren't you, on your own? All the
0: time, yeah. And you work stuff out on your own, you're working stuff out between each other. Because, you know, no one person can meet all your emotional needs. That's Mm. why you have so many different relationships. That's why you have your work, your friends, Mm. etc. Um... And there's you know something wonderful in conversations on love and um, where the psychotherapist philippa perry talks about um how no one's right for anybody
2: mm. so
0: there's no right single person out there for you there's like it's that. not limited to one person it's more the thing is is two people coming together and rubbing alongside each other and mm. kind of forming this thing because they come into it with an equal footing yeah you, you you know, and we always, you know, you say that I don't want this person to change me. I don't want a relationship to change me. But just by dint of you, you know, growing alongside each other, they will have an impact on your life. And mm-hmm. that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very different person because of Ben. Yeah. Um, in yeah. a wonderful way. He's given me so much support, so much kindness, um, a hell of a lot of patience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a lot of love, and i I never expected to meet anybody that kind. Mm. Um, and yeah, he's taught me how to relax, which was a yeah. big one. Yeah, you know yeah, I could never yeah. just sit still, yeah. um, and I think he's just very good at appreciating the moment and
2: yeah that's great. So.
1: I think those those things are great, and what the fear is or what the fear was for me was that someone would be reliant on you. Yeah. Someone would fully... Their self-esteem would... I know it comes in self-esteem anyway, but I mean 70% of their self-esteem would be based on who who they're with or that relationship or the performance of yeah, that relationship. Yeah, and the veneer of it and yeah. what it
0: looks like on the outside.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and that's a lot of pressure. And yeah. I don't like fake stuff. I don't like... No. It, if it's not real... And there's people posting, there's your partner posting stuff on Instagram, so it gives them a boost. I'm like, I'm not I'm not about supplementing that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think
0: my favourite thing about Ben is that he doesn't have Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good way to do it.
1: That's um, a good way to do it. And and I think I've always, you know, we're not... We, we, we have these conversations and we've had these conversations since day one, you know, on, on, yeah. on the theme of relationship and and all that sort of stuff and sort of try to open up a lot more in understanding the moment, like you say, just being open to the moment and having fun and not having to put pressure on it. Mm. Um, and you, you mentioned there, like, there's no one right person for anyone. I think if you can see someone and relate with someone and share experiences with someone whilst you're trying to be the right person instead of looking for the right person, I think that's where you get a good mix.
0: That's it. It's this self understanding and kind of knowing yourself and knowing that you you yourself are not perfect and you come with flaws and insecurities and difficulties and it's about being vulnerable enough and trusting enough in yourself to show that to somebody, mm. that's a really big ass.
1: Yeah, massive, without putting a dogmatic rule book on it.
0: No, and, and it's interesting, those relationships, because I wonder what are they looking for? I think, you know, they're looking for security. Maybe it's validation mm. or reassurance. Mm. And often people are so frightened of losing something yeah. that that's where that pressure comes. But actually that fear is... Preventing this relationship from growing and blossoming.
1: That's it. You can't uh, in with you can't live in fear for life in general, can you? You know, like and and you can't live wanting always to fill yourself with. That's it. Other people's validation, presence, all that sort of stuff. You know.
0: I wonder if it comes from a fear of being alone, Mm. and you know, I don't know if you I know mean, i don't know how it is in kind of today's um, parlance but certainly tv shows etc it was like you know this thing of being single was seen as not as valuable as being mm-hmm. with somebody or in a couple and rather than actually being alone can be a wonderful thing you know yeah. there's so much to be learned from solitude and discovering yourself mm-hmm. and i think me and ben both came to each other because we'd had a period of being alone and figuring ourselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, I went traveling to Sri Lanka. Um, he'd, you know, done a lot of partying, mm. etc. And mm. it's just time to do stuff we wanted without having to answer to anybody. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And, you know, I can't, you know, life without him would be very different and heartbreaking. But I think we both have a reassurance that we would manage on our own somehow.
1: Mm, yeah, the the building of it is quite a scary thing, and we talk about vulnerability all the time, don't we, but is there a way to not be vulnerable going into it?
0: No, I don't think so, no. I think that's unavoidable. I think if you're not vulnerable, you're not opening up yourself to the highs. Mm, you know? mm
1: yeah, and the true connection
0: Yeah, you're numbing the experience. Yeah. And also, by not being vulnerable, does that mean you're not showing certain parts of yourself? I mean, you know, it can take time to build up trust and, you know, being comfortable to show those parts with somebody. Mm. But without that readiness, you're not allowing someone to really get to know you.
1: Yeah. And the risk, there's always an element of risk in there. I'm just thinking back to when me and Natalie started speaking, there was risk in, um, there's risk in believing that someone is truly connected or in alignment pursuing that type of relationship with each other, that type of connection with each other um there's a risk in that and sometimes you could look stupid i guess sometimes you could find someone that you just you get to see the world with and share it with you know
0: sometimes it doesn't work and there's a wonderful quote in this book that relationships are like mixing paint and with two people and sometimes you come out with a wonderful color and it works um, and sometimes you bring out the worst qualities of each other yeah, Yeah, a really horrible colour. <laughs> that's true, yeah.
1: And you've got to, you've got to make a few shit paintings along the way, aren't you? And that's it, very
0: yeah. much so. So yeah, yeah, you can't avoid the um, ups and downs, really. Um, but I, you know, I'm a huge believer in luck and timing. You know, there's you can read all the books, you can put yourself out there, you can go on as many dates, etc. But mm-hmm. you're you're completely relying on another person yeah. to bring themselves and. Sometimes it doesn't always match.
1: So what, when we're talking about sustaining it then, what what goes into that? If you've found that and you've, you've, you've managed to create that, what are we talking as a good relationship? What are we thinking? What, what does a good relationship involve?
0: Um, I mean, I'm only obviously going off what I've learned and my relationship's by no means perfect. And you know, who knows what, kind of will unfold in the future, etc. Yeah. Um but kind of the three things that I've Well that
1: don't have to define if it's no, a good one or not. And it doesn't
0: it? no. And you know, the whole point is that you want to keep learning and keep learning about each other, but it's about putting that relationship front and centre and really thinking about it and what it needs to grow. Um, but kind of the three things I came up with were acceptance, patience, and choice. Mm. So with acceptance, it's about accepting that person completely for who they are. Flaws, you know, things that annoy you. Ben sneezes eight times in a row. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love a good sneezer. I love a good sneeze.
0: um, so just accepting all the parts of each other and not trying to mold them into your ideal. and letting you know giving it space to breathe and you know letting each other grow and you know ben's been hugely accepting in how difficult medicine's been and you know all the hours i was at the house and nights and stuff and then that ties into patience and he's been hugely patient with that yeah um yeah so just patience with each other um we're quite good at talking about stuff we Mm. i I can never take an argument that seriously Mm. so uh and mm. end up laughing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so I think, you know, have the patience to communicate with each other and to listen to each other.
1: To be fully lost in the argument. <laughs> Just 100% involved in the argument and not to have any awareness of what you're doing. No, Completely or how... Completely taken you... over by the chimp.
0: No, that's it, isn't it? And not having awareness of what that other person's thinking and feeling. Because yeah. they'll have a different viewpoint yeah. to you and they'll see things differently. Yeah. Um, and then choice. So... I mentioned it earlier, but we can become very passive in our relationships. But knowing that we always have a choice, you know, every day you make a choice. I want to be with this person mm. or I want to make this work or I'm going to do something that shows that I think about them today. Yeah. And or, I'm going to consider their needs. Yeah. You know, a choice of I want to be with you.
1: So what happens when that choice turns into... I have to or I want to be with this person forever. Do you know what I mean? Like, does that does that make a lot of pressure when you come in? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Because that's marriage, isn't it? Marriage is basically saying, till death, do us part.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think marriage is wonderfully optimistic. Yeah. Because you're looking <laughs> yeah. into a future, you have no idea what yeah. that's going to look like or what sort of person you're going to be. Which,
1: again, is risk anyway. That's, that's, yeah. that's uh, uh, depending on how you look at it, that's courageous. Dumb, brave, whatever way you want to look at it, it yeah. is is it is a a passage of faith in it.
0: I think love's all those things.
1: Faith is courage that's done its prayers.
0: Yeah. Like that. that.
1: I've just that's come out of somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Been knocking around somewhere. I've heard it somewhere, it's not mine. Oh. Um <laughs> But yeah, I just think that's interesting. I think the choice um I think you're a happy person if you can fully be present and make the choice because you keep choosing it is the right thing to do. Boom, mm-hmm. the right thing to do, you know. Um,
0: and I think even when things go wrong, um, one of the you know if one person lets the other down. Um, and you feel like you've had your choice taken away, you still make an active choice of whether I want to work on this and work it out or do I want to walk away. Mm. So yeah. even yeah. if you've been forced into a position you don't want to be, you still always have an element of choice in your relationships.
1: Yeah. And that that element of choice comes into every part of life, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had the choice when you were finding it hard to take the therapy and to understand this such a wide-ranging subjective relationships, how how that, refreshing that and being conscious of it and putting more thought into it. Hmm. You probably didn't know all of that when you made the choice, but you knew that you had the choice to get better.
0: No, exactly. And, you know, life forces your hand a lot. So... (sighs) You know, in that situation, I was really, de- I was quite depressed at the time. So life forced my hand to make a choice. Then, when I failed my fourth year, life forced my hand to make a choice as to mm. whether I was going to continue and try again with medicine or whether I was going to leave. Um, with my mum, you know, she, her and my dad divorced, and you know, in the situation where you know she thought, you know, modelled on her parents that marriage was for life, you'd stay together till you were mm-hmm. old, and suddenly, again, everything's changed for her and but then she makes active choices into how her life now turns out and what it what it looks like.
1: Mm. Yeah. And sustaining it is, does that go into it? So the, so the choice goes into it showing up for one another and the challenging, I guess, constantly challenging yourself and challenging others.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, my relationship's still quite young, so I don't know what will happen in the future when things mm. Can become more stagnant, or you know, when you have kids, because
1: it's a scary thing, though. That I think it changes.
0: I it's, think, yeah.
1: I think a lot of people, through sheer, um, what we've been talking about, sticking to that set path. You know, there's an element that's that's great about that, like mm-hmm. perseverance. You know, mm-hmm. sheer bloodiness and perseverance to get through it. But then it's scary to go, like anything in life, like me retiring from rugby. Like, I never even entertained the fact that I'd be retired by 27, you know, Mm -hmm. and that that would stop. And that all my relationships in rugby would change on a dime. And that I'd be a different person. And that people that used to speak to me all the time wouldn't speak to me now. And that, I'm moving into a different sphere of connections and a way to live my life. That's the same as in romantic relationships. Like to 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 investigate the transient nature of the world and our relationships and connections with each other is fucking scary. It's really and scary. it
0: takes work. Yeah. It's hard work as well. And I think, You know, 50 years ago, maybe even 30 years ago, it was very much marriages for life. You stay together and, you know, divorce is hugely shameful. I think my mum felt a lot of shame Mm. with her divorce because she'd come from a model where you stayed together for life. Yeah. Um, I think we're a bit more accepting when things don't work out now and that things can shift and change. But, you know, does that mean people are less likely to persevere and and work stuff out? I think... You know, and challenges in life and in your relationships can come in all different forms. You know, it could be cheating, it could be family illness, it could be having children and suddenly not having time for each other or not having enough hours in the day or financial pressures, etc. And it's kind of just taking a step back maybe and just assessing what will happen if I do the hard work and work through this or what will happen if I you know call time on this now Mm. and there's no wrong answer to that they'll just Mm. lead you down different paths
1: yeah I guess it's openness to understanding that things do change yeah
0: you can't prevent things are not everlasting and I wonder if people who you know those dogmatic relationships we talk about you know fear of being alone but then maybe also fear of change Mm. but you're going to change as a person change is
2: scary
1: isn't it
0: yeah it's hard it's so scary but we like change when it's good well or when we feel in control of it when we feel like you know i've chosen what i want to wear today or yeah that sort of thing so Mm. sometimes we do enjoy change Uh and change is good for us as it helps us evolve and grow yeah but yeah it's trying not to control and you can't control love
1: you can't control love yeah you can't can you When I started Mentality five years ago, I was committed to creating a hub that would offer the knowledge and experiences to allow all of us to go beyond the stigma that cripples many men into a life lacking fulfilment. It would be a lie to say that I knew the impact Mentality would be having on people's lives, but we are. And it blows me away when someone gets in touch to share with us how we've helped them. So today's podcast sponsor is mentality counseling and i want to share with you a testimony from a guy who went from listening to this exact pod to making the important step to start counseling just wait until you hear what he has to say about his experience if you are someone who this resonates with and you are ready to get the help that you deserve head to our website right now and get in touch with john from the ages of 25 to my current age of 30, I lost my ability for intelligent thought towards my mental health and well-being. The best thing I did was seek help and mentality provided that platform. In my eight weeks, I have learned more than I could have imagined in regards to helping myself understand myself. John has been particularly thoughtful and easy to understand. His ability to break things down in ways that I'd have never have got by myself have helped me so much. I often now reference my learning in conversations and find myself thinking about particularly useful things that John has taught me when making decisions. My mind feels stronger my brain feels healthier. I know I have a long way to go, but with John's help, I believe I'm getting back on track to have an intelligent thought regarding my mental health, a strong mentality. Right? Does that take us on to the omission of control, or the the losing control, and and, and the transition of having it and then losing it?
0: How do you mean? How do we find? How do we survive when we lose? Love? Yeah. I mean. So I don't even think it's about control, you know. I don't think, I think you have agency in your relationships, but I don't think you have control. You can't control love. It's a very wild, wonderful, emotional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we survive when we lose it? And that can be through heartbreak or grief. And, you know, I've, I've had my heart broken. Um, I've lost a couple of grandparents, but I've not really gone mm-hmm. through, you know, those really difficult, phases of grief when you lose someone really close to you so yeah. I've escaped that up to now and yeah. I often look at my friends and my family and I think I just wish we could all stay exactly as we are I don't want anyone mm. to get any older because it's just so perfect right now and I don't want to lose any of you I mean you've lost your Nana mm. and I know mm. that had a big impact on you
1: mm. I've lost my Nana and my granddad, um, but I think it did I never had time to process that I never, you know mm. I was just like flipping Played a game the day that I'd, I'd gone to a funeral, and um, I had a bit of time to process it when I did my knee as, as a result twelve months out. Um, but yeah, that that perfect picture or script that have you in your mind when that gets ripped up, I think that's when you go, "Fuck!" You know, mm-hmm. I'm not as safe as that delusional single-mindedness as as. Um, betrayed for me, um, but I am completely the same, like, I do a lot of meditation, I do a lot of love and kindness meditation, um, they call it Metta in Buddhism, and it's um, it's basically just sinking into that feeling, like you've said, where you bring up a person to mind that you have an uncomplicated relationship with, and it's just purely love, you know, and, you sink into that feeling of how much you are grateful for them and how much you want them to be well, basically, and you want them to be happy. And it's not a going into it and, and fixating on it, like trying to grab a hold of it. It's bringing it up and realising that you have got what, you know, the happiness and the... And the peace and the love is there, you know? It's like reminding yourself that it's there and you want them to be well, you, you, you wish them to be well. That's part of the meditation. You know, and then the next time I see my mum, you know, or my dad, I'm like, I give them the biggest hug ever. Do you know, like, because I'm just so, like,
0: I mean, shout out to Anne. Shout out to Anne, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Anne Talley. Um, shout out to Anne, and you know, my old man and, and my family. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I always, I always remind myself how lucky I am that I've got that. And things are changing now, and you know, some of that change I like, and some of that change I don't. But I can still be grateful for being in that moment with life as it is now, if that makes sense. Um, so it's, yeah. And then I guess that is, you know, that is the strength to be pulled out of that, you know, out of the fear or out of the resistance to it. You know, you can, on the other side, of it, you can really bury into what you've got now.
0: I mean, Because grief is just the other side of the coin of love. They Mm. go hand in hand. And you cannot experience love without a probability of loss. Um, And that's really hard. And I'm sure there's people who do close themselves off from relationships because the heart breaks too much.
1: I can see that. Mm. I can see that.
0: But I think it's, you know, there's one thing I learned from conversations on love is that when a person dies, they you know, the love hasn't gone anywhere. they still kind of very much with you and it you carry it and it takes on different forms. And, you know, I think it's really wonderful when you had the great ideas come out of the blue mm, T-shirt. Mm, you know, this kind of lovely passing on of your nana mm, um, after she'd done her art course. And, you know, yeah. these things, it just shows that people live on through us. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm quite proud to do that. Mm. And I don't know, my family were as well. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's quite nice. And I guess, you know, through... My nana, she had that inquisitive nature and mind, and she only gave that personal freedom and that congruence, and let go of the mould into to whatever role she was playing. She 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 investigated that for the last twenty years of her life, I think, mm-hmm. um, and she stopped it. And I guess it's not been stopped. She's, you know, she the, through through the apparel and the t-shirt. She she lives on in terms of um, the investigation of of transience and how it's so um, fleeting. Life can be fleeting.
0: Mm. One idea I do find interesting as well is that when you open yourself up to love you actually open up yourself to loss in that you lose different paths in your life so Mm. by being with Ben you know I never imagined I'd be in this sort of relationship and it's kind of everything and more I ever wanted I always imagined I'd be single I'd be working in Australia or kind of I would have done my training years in a different city and but you know, your, your life turns out differently when you, again, you rub alongside along somebody mm. and you accept somebody else into your life. You make different decisions. And, you know, I've had to say goodbye to that imagined path. Yeah. And which, you know, I don't mind because look what I've got instead. Exactly, and it's, yeah. But you can't have everything. And, yeah, and it's kind of when you yeah, had to retire from rugby, that kind of loss, that, all that love you put into it, now experiencing that loss and it's like where do I go
1: mm, next mm, it's definitely an alteration mm.
0: yeah. one of the many expansive themes of relationships yes, <laughs> yeah
1: yeah shopping and changing mm-hmm. um, so Chris had a, had a good question Chris isn't here yeah. he's with us in, in spirit because he's at a stag do so um, or a, a wedding I don't know funny enough maybe I
0: think the wedding
1: don't wedding, yeah. yeah. Maybe at a wedding. It's a long three-day three affair. Maybe we'll get a live Zoom of Chris at a wedding <laughs> and he can, he can give us, give us his, <laughs> his rundown. Um, but Chris mentioned the... Or he asked, basically, how how do you advise people to find the real relationships, which is a great segue into friendships, but how do you advise people to find the real relationships from the superficial ones? Um yeah, I'm gonna leave you with that.
0: Yeah, so I kind of, I think this kind of goes back into finding love, and he was basically asking, how do I find those proper connections, without having to go through the hardship of figuring out, you know, the superficial, you know, um, relationships to the ones that are really going to add meaning and value in my life. Mm. Um, and my, you know, this you may disagree on this, but my kind of initial answer was, you can't avoid the hardship you know, that is part of being open and vulnerable to letting other people in your life and showing parts of yourself to other mm. people is uh, kind of accepting that there's going to be some hardship there or, you know, the, the, mm. the struggle that comes with love. Um, but I do think... I keep saying this again and again. You can be active in your choices and you don't have to be passive. Mm. So we often... Um, In our relationships, we can do this a lot in romantic relationships, but we can kind of fabricate a version of people, and we can, you know, we first meet people, we make kind of some judgments and assessments of them, um, and we then kind of fill in the gaps with our imaginations and think, oh, this could be this wonderful thing, they're my sort of person, Mm. or we really click, or whatever, and, you know, and sometimes you don't, and is that actually because you've imagined them to be something quite different? And... You know, some of the closest friends I have in my life, I actually judge them really harshly. Mm. Um, I remember my best friend, we met when we were five. I thought she was really intimidating. First time I met her, five years old at school.
2: Five years old. She was like,
0: towered above me at the time. I'm now taller than her, but yeah. And she's been (laughs) the most constant friend I've ever had. Um, And then the people I remember at university, the people who I thought, oh, they're going to be my sort of person. Mm. Actually, no. You know, I found them quite shallow. I think mm. they found me quite weird. Mm. So we just... <laughs> didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so...
1: I think a lot of people find me weird.
0: I, I think it's a great quality. Yeah. <laughs> Personal branding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That comes on the five <laughs> top personality traits. Um, so, yeah, the that... So those, those relationships... We talked a little bit about it earlier. Um and I'm fuck it. I'm weird, so I'll say it anyway. But we, we literally, and this is why I think mental health is everything, and I keep banging the message. But we literally define and construct the reality around us because of how we perceive it. Um, Albert Einstein said that reality is a illusion, an illusion, mm-hmm. albeit a very persistent one.
0: So this ties into my overarching point which is rather than kind of judgment and perception etc what we need to look for is evidence evidence um so you know romantic relationships friendships etc you've got to ask is this person showing up for me you know, do they stick to the coffee date we've arranged? Um, are they kind? Do they make me feel good when I'm with them, mm. or are there some doubts there or some question marks, etc.? Yeah. You're trying to um, force. I, I think it's a really nice analogy of trying to force. You know, a jam jar lid onto something that doesn't quite fit. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. awkward and clunky, and it just yeah. doesn't screw in quite right.
1: Or a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, yeah. Better than your saying. your perception. You're wanting to. Um, Fit reality into
0: your imagination. Your
1: imagination.
0: Mm. So I say, when if you're looking for kind of new friendships and you you're wanting real connections, kind of look for the evidence. Um, and it comes with time. It takes time to build that up. Um, and I think you've kind of got to go in with a certain lightness and not mm. too much expectation because my imagination can be very active and, you know, I'll meet someone for the first time and I'm thinking, oh yeah, we really click. I can yeah. imagine going on holiday with you and, yeah. all. and it's like, <laughs> yeah. just slow down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So. What type of holiday?
0: Oh, an Ibiza. Ibiza. Good party yeah, holiday. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: We'd really get on. We'd really love to drink with Loves each other. Loves the sesh. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: Bit of nice beach time as well. Yeah, kind yeah. Of nature. Would you be so, able to chill out on the beach with yeah, them as well? Some sunshine. Yeah. yeah, that's some good conversations.
1: You always need. That's the thing. That's the thing. And when you go on holiday with someone, it's like, oh yeah, we do the same stuff, so we're, we're all right going on holiday with each other. <laughs> that's what. That's why the. Oh, that's good that you, you you know that you get on and you want to do the same stuff. Okay, Hell oh, yeah, it is a big thing. If one. One of them's wanting to drink all day for three days in a row, and you're and you're wanting to. I want to go see the old town. Actually, it's like a bit of a.
0: It's the real test, isn't a bit it? Of a, not
1: a test, yeah, a bit of an obstacle.
0: Moving into moving in with people, you know, housemates, flatmates, etc., and going on holiday with them. Yeah. Real test of yeah. how you rub alongside each yeah. other. Yeah. So um, so with friendships, I think for a long time I went in thinking that they need to be like me. Uh huh. And actually, none of my relationships, they're exactly like me. There's similar Mm, values there, but kind of, I love them for how different they are and what they teach me and their perspectives on life. So, and I think this goes, again, goes back to romantic relationships as well, but you can't be too prescriptive with these things. And, you know, me and Mm -hmm. Ben met when we were very open to just exploring each other, not taking things too seriously. And... You know, it wasn't like I was going to, having a, a checklist of you need to have this career or you need to be this type of person or you need to be into these books or this, you know, traveling or whatever. Mm. It was much more open with that. And I think it's the same with friendships. Mm. So just being very open.
1: Open, mm. openness, yeah. And then openness, but where you can put the boundaries in. Yeah. For what you can accept and what you can't accept
0: i think boundaries is uh, i think you know massively important that's a key thing i learned in therapy as well and that helped my relationships you know tenfold Mm. was having boundaries because it's then about saying you know i have self-respect this is what i need and in order for this relationship to grow and to function you need to understand that Mm. you know i've had toxic relationships with friends and you know dysfunctional times with family in the past where it's that you know those boundaries haven't been there and there hasn't been self-respect you know on my part mm. and yeah and then you yeah. are boundaries
1: are hard to put in though aren't they
0: they take ages to learn they and do yeah boundaries at work and all sorts yeah. and you don't always get it perfectly right but I think having an awareness mm. of why they're important and having consistency with them
1: yeah yeah I know Natalie's definitely worked on that over this last year um and she puts the the uh, fence post in quite quite deep, and it's quite it's it's quite <laughs> good. And she's you know she's great with it, but it's 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 that over. You know, it's not that's not just with me. Boundaries, by the way, I'm not a really naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just with her whole life, and I I relate to it because I just naturally I don't know if I want to please people or I want to help people or if it's a bit of everything but i just like flipping sacrifice myself so much mm. you know and, and and just know what i want and know who i am so I, i'm like always wanting to exercise that even if i end up getting migraines for five days in a row i do too much do you know yeah that's sort of where i'm having to you know this experience with having a brain injury is like right yeah okay I do I do need boundaries I can't just I can't just go and exercise anymore do you know what I mean and and sort of on a whim go and do it, um, so yeah that that that's one of them and I can't just do too much in a week and you know I'm I'm having to sort of put my own fence posts up um, and signs for not 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 to enter any further into it so. Yeah, they are important, aren't they? But they're, they're mm-hmm. hard, they're yeah. hard.
0: Yeah, I think especially if I'm quite similar in terms of people-pleasing. Mm. And, you know, you end up trying to make so many people happy, you overcommit, you don't make anybody happy, so you don't make yourself happy. Mm. And, you know, you feel like you're being selfish. Yeah. But actually it's more helpful in the long run.
1: Mm, for everyone. Mm. And friendships then. Friendships. So, we spoke a little bit about not having to be the same as you. We've spoken a little bit about the blossoming of friendships, I guess. And it is more openness, more natural, and less imagination <laughs> for it. Yeah. Um, Imagination's good. I think I need to imagine more, though. Talking about this with Natalie last night. What for? I don't know. I don't know if it's healthy to do it or not.
0: I think it can be. I, you know, I remember passing hours in school just imagining, oh, like, so, especially boys. Yeah. yeah. It took up huge amounts of time. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Get through a whole geography yeah. lesson. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I got through
1: so many lessons just re- <laughs> re- rehearsing in my mind the try that i are going to score at the weekend <laughs> or going over the, the try that I did score last weekend and what I wanted to, like, mental training when I was flipping, sat doing... Um, woodwork whatever <laughs> <I> <laughs> cooking wonder, lessons
0: i wonder why we lose it then you know do we just not get the opportunity to get lost in our minds anymore you know or do we become more rigid or i think our thinking's more inflexible
1: yeah i don't know i don't know if if, if it's just i'll lend it towards what what i want to manifest and what i want to bring into reality
0: maybe that's what you were doing at the time was manifesting
1: I have. maybe i've I had this one fight in school which really seemed like a an imagination. I think it <laughs> happened. Looking back, it, pretty sure it happened, and, and other people know it happened. So it wasn't just a dream. But <laughs> I, had, I had to write. For, it was. Um, might as well tell you, you now. <laughs> but it was. It was something like what you would imagine in school. Year eight. It was. It was an older lad. Year nine. And I'd had a fight with him before, and um, the reason why we fought was because he um, he asked me for twenty p. Because I think he wanted a cookie, so I said I don't have it. I don't have twenty p. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was what <laughs> that was what what started the rift. And I, you know, you can feel it from someone who just wanted to start a fight with you for no reason, um, for whatever reason they have, rather. And he pushed me, and I hit me head on brick wall, and I was sort of resisting a fight for a while. He pushed me, and I hit my head as I went back on brick wall, and we started punching, and I just head butted him just out of nowhere, year eight, just head, I just head-butted him. And like, he, he flipping fell over and all this sort of stuff, and there was all the crowd around him, a uh, crowd around the fight and stuff, and I'm like, fucking hell, where did that come from? <laughs> from my imagination, probably, <laughs> you know? Um, and I'm going back to lesson, and my flipping wrists, are, and my hands are swollen, and whatever, and I'm like shaking, I'm like, Fucking you know, what happened there? That, that was mental, and then I, you know, got taken off to isolation and all that, but that—that's a bit of imagination, isn't
0: it? We could have a whole conversation on imagination. Yeah, Whole separate podcast. We're getting
1: sidetracked. But yeah, that—that that was like fuck me. That would cool. That you know what I mean? Like, where did that? Where did that? Did I just do that it in real life? Right? You
0: just got this like superhero power. Yeah, I know.
1: And- I know. I think. I think. Bringing it back to the point, probably, imagine stuff that. I can just that that might may happen and that's within my reach I don't know
0: yeah I think I mean bringing it back to relationships you know I think you've then got to marry that imagination with reality and you want to make sure you're not disappointed by reality Mm. because otherwise you're just going to end up going after perfect people and you might meet people who will try and fit into that narrative, and actually, it'll damage their self-esteem. And you know, people will just endlessly disappoint you.
1: So, what, 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 do you, yeah? How do you marry that up? What the the gap between imagination, perfection, and what really life is in terms of romantic relationships, friendships? Do you know what I mean? What, what is what? What does one do for for that gap?
0: It's a hard one, isn't it? Because life is endlessly disappointing and yeah. people will disappoint you. Yeah. And, you know, you'll disappoint yourself at times. Mm. Um, and I think it's not being beholden to your imagination and appreciating reality for what it is. Mm. And actually you have so much to gain from the, the small things and yeah. the lovely things, you know, when your friends show up for you or when they send you a birthday card or when you just have a really good conversation with them. You know, that's actually... Far more tangible than Mm, your imagination.
1: mm. And I guess it's just a tuning Mm. your reticular activating system, that part of your brain that instruments your perception Mm. of reality Mm. and what you actually are looking for and what you sort of notice in the day. Mm. Um, And I think that's such a big, big thing. You know, within all our courses and... and, um, membership with Evolve, like, one of the big things we do is tell, tell them to practice gratitude mm. and it's fine-tuning, you know, Mark's really said the, the quality of your thoughts determines the quality of your life. It's yeah. just like, well, it is your reality, what you're thinking and how you're seeing what actually happens in, in reality determines what, <laughs> how, you, how you're finding it, how, you, how you're how processing it and, you know, we there's Alan Johnston, the spot psychiatrist, um gave us a model of like a simple thing to do at the end of the day and it's a daily positive thought mm-hmm. um basically just think back to to, say, to your day and say what was good and that depends on what you de- class as being good and what you want to bring into your life to be good and that might be just making a cup of tea for um your partner yeah you say why was it good well it's like it gave a boost. Um, Maybe a boost of caffeine. But a boost of, <laughs> a boost of um, connection and I helped um, make it a le- the studying or whatever a lot less sufferable for her and all this sort of stuff. And then you say, well, what does it say about me? It's like, well, okay, what does it say about me? I guess I'm caring. I never thought of myself as being caring, but it's quite a nice way to look at myself. You know, it's like mm. it's feeding in those habits so that the flow of your life is that becomes a natural a natural thing that you do to keep compounding those interactions with, with your world and in your world, yeah.
0: It's always, yeah, I love doing those gratitude lists um, and I kind of also write my intentions for the next day because it just helps set me up for the next day and be really thoughtful about what I want to do. But it, it rewires your brain and you've talked about imagination in a positive sense but imagination can also become quite negative and you Mm. think oh is everyone looking at me or what do these people think of me and actually it's not based on reality Mm. so is that
1: imagination or anxiety
0: i think it can be both yeah you know you're imagining you know this person's looking at me or i don't Mm. you know i'm self-conscious etc and
1: when does that tip into paranoia
0: I mean, I. This is the thing with psychiatry and therapy, etc. I think you, it's really difficult to define things yeah. and put things in boxes.
1: It's what affects you, I think, in it. Yeah, and if it's you when are... when
0: it starts to become a problem mm. and when it's causing negative affect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back to that, you know, the small actions. I think we really um, underestimate the small things. You know, we don't give them a huge amount of value when they make the difference in relationships. So. You know, like you say, making a cup of tea. Mm. Um, you know, Ben Ben will do that for me at the weekends. He used to always call me on his lunch break, especially when I was at medical school and I had a bit more time. He'd always call me on his lunch break.
2: Nice.
0: And, you know, something I learned from my mum is I always keep a stack of cards ready to go so that I don't miss someone's birthday. Always oh, got some right. stamps yeah, in yeah. my purse. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> just revealing wow, my that's age a- <laughs> now. Yeah,
1: that's quite a good tip.
0: But, yeah, so, you know, for... The, those little kind of acts are just important to me and
1: Mm, yeah and you know something that we talk about a lot is becoming others oriented, um and it's quite easy in the race of life to fully focus on yourself fully focus on bringing in material stuff for yourself um status um recognition and all that but that's sort of short-lasting, and I think it only gets it gets to a certain limit where it doesn't work. Mm. But when you become becoming others-oriented, it's those spontaneous—I don't think they are. I'm going to say superficial, but I think transient, um, small, small connections yeah. with people, which. They pump you up, they pump your tyres up. Yeah. They pump the well-being tyres up all the time.
0: And just because they're small doesn't mean they don't have huge amounts of value.
1: Yeah, exactly. It does have a massive value on you when you walk away and, and for the next two hours, you, you have a, a glowing feeling from having that conversation. Mm. I had one of my days on Friday. I didn't have anything planned on, on Friday because I'm trying to not do as much so I don't get migraines. But what comes with that is being depressed in the morning and going, I ain't got what to do today, what am I gonna do? is, is much. Should I just lie on my bed? Should I just, you know, I'm so negative, I was negative about the possibilities of the day, negative about what was going on in that moment. Um, You know, and not talking about relationships, that were great, she was like, everything I was saying, she was like, you're just being negative, you're just painting a negative picture when you don't need to paint one. Um, Why don't you go for a walk? Um, get back, water the plants. She always get me to water the plants. So I never do it. <laughs> That's one thing that I didn't do.
0: She is great. She's got a real great sense of awareness about you and yeah. your needs, and she just notices little details.
1: Definitely, definitely. She's and she's absolutely smart. Had, she's had smart to, you know, I've had a brain injury for a year and a half, so probably <laughs> that awareness has gone flipping all over the shop. You know, with the challenges I've presented for both of us and for me.
0: I mean, that's um, an amazing thing to navigate between the two of you, mm. you know, because it is a chronic illness. Mm. And that is a really testing thing in relationships. Yes. Yeah, massive.
1: And... Massively. And, you know, she, you know, we're, we're, we're well versed, I guess, in all the messages that we're putting out in mentality. It's come from, mm. you know, this is when you talk about purpose being bigger than just yourself. There's, you know, when you find a purpose that's bigger than yourselves, you know, the possession of each other and the happiness that you need to maintain between each other but if you can find a level up where it's contributing to the wider community and and the whole of the world then that's such a driver and such a sticking point I think Mm -hmm. talking about sustenance in relationship I think that's such a big point and that's telling me to go for a walk, get a coffee take the dog out You know, but within that there's Taking a big German Shepherd that everyone's looking at and wants to talk to you about, <laughs> so that brings people to you, and you're talking about Sadie, and you're talking about the um, how much she stinks because she got in the water yesterday, um, but it brings in the the conversations with people that you don't know, but it's that stronghold of community. You know, yeah. it's a local coffee shop. You see the faces, and that that's like it gets neglected so much Mm. because it's not special. It's not, well, it's not, you don't package it up and you don't process it commercially. It's like it's there to be taken a hold of. And if you have that conscious awareness to go and do that and to put yourself in the frame of having that, you're going to be a lot happier. Yeah. And your partner's going to be a lot happier.
0: Yeah. It's finding Um, ways to meet all your emotional needs. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
1: and those little boosts of, of yeah. superficial, superficial quote unquote relationships, but you speak about the conversations with barbers, not barbers, a hairdresser, hairdresser. Yeah, shout yeah. out
0: to James, shout my hairdresser. out to James. Yeah, yeah. But
1: tell us why James is is, uh, is beneficial in in the, in the umbrella of relationships. Why is a relationship with your hairdresser important?
0: Well, he's done a great job on my hair over the last couple of years, so uh, it's a good start. (laughs) It looks looks amazing,
1: James, I just (laughs) want to say that. It looks looks really good.
0: Um, I think it's, yeah, so coming on to like those, I don't like the word superficial, because... No,
1: I don't, I don't.
0: Those maybe surface relationships, they're kind of in your very outer periphery, um, more acquaintances, etc., and you know, there's a transactional element Mm. with my relationship with James, you know, I'm a customer, Mm. Um, but it's, you know, I've seen him for such a long time now, Um, you know, a good couple of years or whatever. And I just really enjoy our interactions, even Mm. though they're every few months or whatever, you know, we catch up on kind of our relationships and um, kind of what's going on in our lives and whatnot. And it's just nice to get a different perspective. And, you know, they are people that you wouldn't necessarily meet um, unless you come into those spheres, I have it with my personal trainer as well. And yeah. you know, Jed at the Bowery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Coffee shop people. At the Bowery. Yeah. 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 I they, like Jed. He's g- good lad, g- isn't Good guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. If, if Jed is the same man I'm thinking of, <laughs> yes Jed is yeah. Good, yeah. I think he's, like, oh, he's back again. I'm going to have to chat to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
2: we'll
0: leave that. Well, that's it i think you know and they've often, they've seen me through quite difficult times i was having a medicine they've always just you know even if it's been for five ten minutes or whatever just kind of offered a listening ear and i think this is the interesting thing that happened with lockdown suddenly all those stopped and mm. i felt quite an absence without them because they're just those little light connections that just you right give you yeah. a little bit of a boost and a sense of community and some familiarity mm. and kind of back to Chris's point about not wanting to go through, you know, superficial relationships, et cetera, to find the really kind of deep, meaningful ones, but actually deep relationships take a lot of emotional labor. They take mm. a lot of investment, a lot of kind of hard work. You have to open yourself up more and mm. maybe even be more vulnerable, etc. Um, so there is a space for having different sorts of friendships or relationships.
1: Yeah, because you don't have... I mean, the deep relationships, you don't have many of them because I guess you're doing all the time is spent with that relationship and mm-hmm. deepening it. Yeah. You can't do that with everyone, can you?
0: No, you'd exhaust yourself.
1: You'd be, you'd be knackered. <laughs> oh, fucking, I'm laying myself out again here for for the quest of a... A thousand deep relationships,
2: mm.
1: but I kind of think you know, makes me wonder at the minute. I used to um, feel like I had deep relationships with musicians, you know, like
0: Oh, that's an interest. I mean, yes, I'm talking when about when Bowie this. died, I was in bits. Yeah. I made me winehouse. Oh,
1: when Chester Bennington died, Linkin Park, yeah. I nearly died. I so like, did Ben, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I just like, what? Like, And this is in fresh my mind because Natalie's doing a psychology master's and she interviewed me on the relationship between stress and music, and it's you know, I'm you know such deep relation. I felt like I knew these band members of Linkin Park. I'd
0: never thought of that. Yeah, so interesting. In it, You,
1: you feel like you're on the end of the recording, the music that they've put out there, and they're laying themselves out completely.
0: Well, that's the power of music and how trans- mm. transcendental music is. Yeah,
1: and everyone's got a relationship to that music and, in yeah. fact, to that person that's putting it out there.
0: And what it means at certain points in your 100%. life and, like, defining moments. And it's music is possibly the best way of encapsulating a feeling yes. and making it meaningful to you because yes. it's, you know, I think kind of meaning is often plucked out the universe and recycled into mm. something... You know that's tangible, and yeah. I think music is just the best way of translation doing translation of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent.
0: And people who have the skill to do that and yeah. to create real art and beauty with it.
1: I hope we have. I hope people listening. <laughs> Stevie's I, looking I, around. I'm, I'm loving. I'm loving the relationship that I'm creating with you. By the way, if that's happening, <laughs> listeners um, out there. Yeah, because a lot of the time I lay myself out here and just talk as if there's no. Uh, fear around what I'm saying when in reality it's there's a bit bit to it. Well, um, you,
0: well, that's how this came about with you and me. Is is I read that Times article and I was just so you know it stuck with me in such a way. I was like, I, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. I really believe in this. Yeah. And yeah, that. I believe in it. Bit of transcendence. Yeah, there. Mm. yeah.
1: But it's so good to think about that. The music, the encapsulation, the how it spreads it, I guess it spreads, Mm. you know, like Chester Bennett from Linkin Park, he would never be able to comprehend the relationships that he created and the connections that he created and the boost to people's lives, the all-consuming nature sometimes of that song, the lyric, you know, what it meant to, it's like, you can't even comprehend it. And
0: how it connects to strangers as well, I mean, I think heard about this on a podcast but there's something wonderful about Dolly Parton concerts in that mm. they will bring people of all walks of life together and it's like the only place where Republicans will stand with liberals and you know people from all over America will just stand and be united in something yeah. and there's just something about her music that really speaks to people. Um, I've got a story actually. Mm. So so I mentioned Bowie mm-hmm. um, and when Bowie died and I've always been a huge David Bowie fan. Yeah. Um, my dad was got all the records yeah. etc. Um, And, uh, yeah, so he died a few years ago. And I received this text from an unknown number out the blue. Um, And it basically said, I really miss you. Um, It must be something about Bowie dying, but I just wanted to kind of put that out there. I can't remember, so I'm paraphrasing a bit. And I think I know who it was from. I think it was from an ex-boyfriend, but... (laughs) I still don't know to this day. I thought, you know what? I think I'll just leave it as it is. Wow. I've got my relationship now. Yeah. Wow. just leave that out there.
1: And Bowie was a connecting point between other people. You just don't even think of that, do you? No. You just do not even comprehend that.
0: And with that relationship, you know, it was... You know, he was, um, you know, I think first, his first boyfriend um, yeah. and he was the one who kind of taught me that kindness is really important in relationships. And it didn't work out for various reasons. Mm. Um, but...
1: So, what if I do that text?
0: Yeah, well, so, so we ended and he'd always kind of told me, oh, I, I kind of remain friends with my exes, etc. So I had this expectation that we'd still be in contact. Yeah. But then um, I remember the last time we met, I was about to go to Sri Lanka, um, he just said, um, I need some space, I need some time. I was like, fine. And I thought, you know, I expected to hear back from him. And then when I didn't, didn't hear from him ever again, I was like, oh, wow, okay, so that's that. Yeah. That's just completely gone from my life now. Yeah. And then to receive this text out the blue, which I think was him, I'm not entirely yeah, sure. Yeah. But I think it's quite nice not knowing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's quite it's quite a story to tell, isn't it? It's...
0: Yeah. I've not, I don't share that story yeah. <laughs> very readily, but...
1: But that just shows the 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 foundation that these people lay for people to connect with each other, and they just. Mm. I think we're only wired to understand what our closest community feel or think about us, and we can't really encapsulate what the full world feel about us because it's not a survival mechanism, or it don't it don't really pay much. And then you think maybe if people do take that in too much, then that's what can be quite damaging as well, so I don't know. I'm thinking out loud on that.
0: <laughs> how um, you manage your emotions.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how you manage validation,
0: but, validation. Can, it kind of shows how, we talked about love and loss, but how it, it it's not gone. It mm. kind of, it leaves an imprint somewhere and you carry it with you. Mm. Mm. So how you manage that and you don't get too sucked into it, I guess. But.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Well, that well. took an interesting yeah, turn, that, that did one did, did it? <laughs> that took a turn. And uh, I, lo- I love those turns. That's what makes it worth it. <laughs> That is all for now, guys. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode with Imogen. She has been so open, so honest and so helpful. An amazing, amazing woman. So thanks for listening to this, guys. Um, This is actually going to be the first of two parts. The next part is me talking about probably the juiciest stuff I've ever spoke about. Um, I talk about life as a Leeds Rhinos player what that meant for relationships with women, what that meant for me being single, some of the stories that come into that, so the real juicy bits. Um, So keep tuned, or stay tuned rather, for that. That will be out in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, guys, please help Mentality, please help me by giving us a bit of a rating, give us a review on this podcast whatever form you can do that whatever way that you are listening to this please give us a review and give us a shout out for this podcast guys we'd really appreciate that that helps mentality survive that helps me survive and transition into a world where I'm hoping to make as big an impact off the field just as I hoped to do on the field so give us a shout out guys give us a review and um, share it pass it on And you can always get in touch with us and give us some feedback. What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to see more of? What more do you want from Mentality? And what's ticking the box for you? I really, really appreciate the feedback. And it makes my day whenever I get an email. So you can send us an email at stevie at mentality.co.uk. Let us know. And I will speak to you guys very, very soon when we release the stuff that I'm still figuring out whether I want to release but I'm sure I'll enjoy it it's worth it see you guys and thank you very much for listening